0: The V-42, created by Colonel, then Colonel, later Major General, Robert Tyron Frederick, it was originally made by Case, W.R. Case, which is named after William Russell Case, one of the original founders. It was the exclusive divine of the First Special Service Force. The blade was seven and a quarter inches long, so my... That's about nine inches from there to there, so just a little bit shorter than that. The overall length of the knife was 12 inches long, which is about looking something like that. It was a close combat weapon used in the type of armed conflict that was deeply personal, close enough to feel your enemy. It was 1942. The danger was real. The tide had not yet turned. The first special service force were a volunteer force of Canadians and Americans, roughly 60% Americans, 40% Canadians. They were trappers. They were hunters. They were rangers. They were mountain men, men who knew how to move in the forest without being seen, men who knew the deadly game of live or die. They trained at Fort Harrison. Think Helena, Montana. They were committed to the task, right? Often attacking at night, with weather beaten faces covered in black. Their patch, perhaps you observed it on Lieutenant Aldo, the Apache Rain, in a movie that we won't talk about today. It was a red arrowhead with white lettering. USA on the horizontal plane, nearly touching the edges of the tip of the arrowhead, and on the vertical plane, Canada. And in an act of decidedly dark humor, they had business cards made. Business cards with a German phrase on them, "Das Dicke Ende kommt Nacht." Try it with me, "Das Dicke Ende kommt Nacht," which they placed on dead Nazis. "Das Dicke Ende kommt Nacht." Literally, the thick end is yet to come. Roughly translated, the worst is yet to come. The Nazis named them the Devil's Brigade. Today's text, like the Devil's Brigade, is a dark bit of action. Close quarters combat, the enemy right before one's eyes. And like many passages in the Bible, it should come with a disclaimer. And the certain knowledge that if it were made into a movie, it would even give an HBO censor pause. I'll avoid being too descriptive. Esther 4.15, verse 1, chapter 9. Now in the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could stand against them, for the fear of them had fallen on all peoples. All the officials of the provinces and the satraps and the governors and the royal agents also helped the Jews, for the fear of Mordecai had fallen on them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces. For the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful, the Jews struck all their enemies with a sword, killing and destroying them, and did as they pleased to those who hated them. In Susa, the citadel itself, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men, and also killed Parshadantha and Dalphon and Aspatha, and Paratha, and Adalia, and Eridatha, and Parmashta, and Eressai, and Eredai, and Vizetha the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, but laid no hands on the plunder. That very day, the number of those killed in Susa the Citadel was reported to the king, and the king said to Queen Esther, In Susa the Citadel the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men, and also the ten sons of Haman. What then have they done in the rest of the king's province? Now what is your wish? It shall be granted to you. And what further is your request? It shall be fulfilled. And Esther said, If it please the king, let the Jews who are in Susa be allowed tomorrow also to do according to this day's edict. And let the ten sons of Haman be hanged on the gallows. They're already dead. (laughs) So the king commanded this to be done, and a decree was issued in Susa, and the ten sons of Haman were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa gathered also on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, And they killed 300 men in Susa, but they laid no hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives and got relief from their enemies and killed 75,000 of those who hated them. But they laid no hands on the plunder. This was on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And on the 14th day they rested and made that a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were in Susa gathered on the thirteenth day and on the fourteenth and rested on the fifteenth day, making that a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who live in the rural towns hold the fourteenth day of the month of Adar as a day of, for gladness and feasting as a holiday, as a day on which they send gifts of food to one another. It would be easy to say the fear that fell was because they were well-armed, well-provisioned, and you could make that argument quite easily. I think also, I think also you can't miss the unseen force moving. And again, even though God's name is not mentioned in the book of Esther, God is all over the book of Esther. Sometimes we're tempted, right, to think of our lives in these compartmentalized terms, right? That somehow church is something that we do, right? Or, or, or faith is something that happens for a short period of time that it doesn't affect other things. But, but we can't leave God out of anything. We can choose to ignore God. But the unseen force, the God of the universe, His Son, the Word of God, incarnate, became Jesus. The Holy Spirit is always in the space. And here, the minority, the forgotten, the disenfranchised, the immigrants, the easy to discard. They're in power. Intriguing that their retribution is only against their enemies and no further than that. Haman is gone and so are his sons, but even that is not enough. The same example that Haman wanted to make of Mordecai has not only happened to him, but his boys. Everything that Haman thought he possessed is gone. The names... Again, leaning on Thomasino, they are rich in double meanings, what they would have sounded like in the Hebrew. Parshandatha sounds like the Hebrew word for excrement. Dalphon sounds like the Hebrew word for an annoying drip. Paratha sounds like um, dung. Eridatha and eridai are plays off of a word that sounds like mule in the Hebrew. And Parmashtha, we'll we'll just leave that one alone. They did as they pleased to those who hated them, the assistance of the local officials. Perhaps best to ride the horse that is in power, the favor of the people. To be sure, it, it is a brutal chunk of text in the Bible. It, it is a dog-eat-dog world, even though dogs weren't highly regarded in the ancient Near Eastern world. Three different times this notion of no plunder was taken is mentioned, and commentators have sought for a number of reasons to, to explore that, right? Want to know what that means, why it means what it means, and does it harken back to the days when, when Saul didn't do what he was supposed to do? I think easiest, it's not about the money. It's, it's not about the stuff. It's not about the accumulation of goods. It's kind of like when Taylor Swift sued Robert Mueller for $1. She won. It wasn't about the money. It was about standing up for her personhoods, her rights as a woman. She didn't want to be felt up by some yahoo. Is there a 21st century equivalent for this one? Because that's what we try to do, right? What we try to do at Timberwood Church is bring the text in, in, into the current. And, and, and there is fierce revenge here, right? And we might ask questions of ourselves. What does justice look like in our lives? What does justice look like in our society? How do we explore this notion of what it means to act justly? What motives drive our behavior? I'm not a governmental entity, nor do I advise one. My politics, well, if I had to identify a party, I think it would be the party of frustration. (laughs) Likewise, I'm not in the armed forces, although I have profound respect for those who gave their last full measure. I, I pray on a weekly basis. I pray for those that are in power. I pray for the president. I pray for the courts. I pray for the Congress. I pray for the governor. I pray for the state legislature. I pray for our police officers, I pray for our firefighters, fighters, I pray for emergency medical response people. Many times I pray for these names by name because I know them. They are personal to me. What I try to do is make the text real. How does this affect me and how does this affect you and it would be easy to think that this text is about a group of people rising up against the, uh, uh, the forces that exist within a government and, and, and vanquishing those forces. Okay, fine, whatever. Or, or it might be this whole anti-Semitic thing, right? Okay, um, it's much more personal, right? And we might see echoes in World War II. We might see echoes in the defeat of the Nazis and all, yes, sure, yep more broadly, we might be the, uh, the underdog okay the, the the disenfranchised the person who was held down gets to rise up yep okay fine but i think more than anything else the text is pretty easy to understand you don't want to be on the wrong side of god you don't you don't want to be i don't want to be on the wrong side of the unseen force And some of us, at times in my life, we play really close to the edge. Really close to pursuing what we want as opposed to what God wants. And the point at which we're pursuing what we want, even though we might clothe it in all sorts of justified thoughts... Or behaviors we play really really close to being on the wrong side of the unseen force and I think if we learn nothing else from the book of Esther you don't want to be on the wrong side of God the 13th 14th 15th of Adar roughly uh, February March timeframe right A day of of, of vengeance, a day of fierce justice. If you're in Susa, two days of those. And then this day of feasting and gladness. You're like, well, how can you go from being bloodthirsty, vengeance-seeking folk to really happy the next day? Again, it's, it's a different time. It's a day of feasting and gladness because something really good has happened. And it would form the basis for a day of remembrance. And again, this becomes important to us, right? The things that we remember, the start of something new, it continues to this day. This little band is a day, remembers a day of remembrance, right? Something new started when I got this band. And, and it's good to look at that band and remember the new thing that should and did start. Specifically, here we have a feast in the presence of vanquished enemies. At the largest level possible, evil is defeated. Feasting has turned to gladness. The battle is over. Let the celebration begin. Oxford Languages defines reverse as a complete change of direction or action. We think of it often, right? As as, as this, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, you know. Here's the tip of the day: don't don't stand behind my vehicle when the backup lights are on, right? In reverse. Tip of the day: You want a tip? Don't. Never mind. But the idea of reversal also means this idea of entirely different, not just going backwards. On the day that the Jews were to die, they were in fact victorious. A complete change of direction, a complete change of action, a complete change of outcome. I think some of us would identify a day of reversal in our lives when we went from being a person who really, really, really flew close to being on the wrong side of God and moved to being on the right side of God. Perhaps you're there today, right? That if you were truly honest with yourself, I mean, not a guilt thing, not guilting you, just asking the question. If you're truly honest with yourself. Today could be a day of reverse, right? A day where you move from being on the wrong side of God to the right side of God. I can't can't help but being drawn to the idea, and I, I don't know if the original author of Esther had this in mind, But this idea of of evil being defeated, the celebration beginning, right? I can't help but be drawn to the end of all things. I mean, if you look at the Bible, okay, totality from, from front to back cover, okay, you have this meta, overarching, meta narrative, overarching narrative, God creating, human beings really messing things up, And then God trying to bring order out of the chaos. And as that happens, there is good versus evil. God bringing order to the chaos, created by the choices of humans to this point. And then there's a reversal, right? Where all that is evil and all that those are a party to evil And all that those who are leading those in evil are finally defeated. A day that Jesus speaks of, but describes as one that only the Father knows when it will take place. Two things to say about that. Again, we don't want to be on the wrong side of God. We look at these stories, like like the book of Esther today, and we recoil in horror. But, But please, let's be honest. The story of Esther and and then the violence against one another is, is repeated in our society, in our world, time and time again, even today. And we recoil in horror, right? But it's the nature of humans and a messed up world, right? I mean, we have a picture, okay? We have a picture of how utterly evil sin truly is. And sometimes I think we miss that. Sometimes I think we miss how bad sin is. How devastating. I think if we if we realized how utterly evil sin truly was, we might make a greater effort in stamping it out in our own lives. We don't want to be on the wrong side of God. Because God will even the scales. That's why he says in the New Testament, in the totality of the Bible, is that we don't have to worry about vengeance because God has got that one covered. And again, we might recoil and say, wow, a God that would punish people, that seems really, really harsh. But I would argue it's much more harsh to live in a world in which evil is not punished. And so we live in this tension, right? And we do battle inside first and foremost against the evil that wants to live. The second thing that I think can be said about the text is that for those who are aligned with God, that future day when evil is completely and totally vanquished once and for all, it'll be a day of gladness beyond any that any have ever experienced. It, it'll, be an, it'll be a feast. It'll be a reunion with friends and family, and maybe if you don't want to be reunited with your family, maybe it'll just be reunion with your friends that you really like, you know? You have family, and then you have family by choice, and sometimes you like the family by choice better than you like the family, and that's okay, I get it. Think about that day. No more sickness, and no more pain, and no more sorrow, and no more disagreement, and no more weeping, and if there's any tears at all, they're tears of joy. Joy. It'll be a day where the belly laughs are full and robust and you can eat and drink and not worry about the calories. (laughs) And we'll walk in the garden and we'll touch the heavenly flowers and we'll push out into the water with the master fishermen. We won't even care if we catch anything. We won't even pick up a pole. Just to be in the same boat with Jesus after so many years of wanting more. It'll be that reunion around, in my brain, a cup of coffee. Maybe you're not a coffee drinker. Maybe you're a tea drinker. That reunion, you know, when you you haven't seen someone for a long time and you sit down over a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or a cup of hot chocolate and, and you just like, you connect in this deep, visceral, wonderful, amazing way. It'll be a day when the oppressed are the rulers, the hungry will be well fed. A day of gladness, a day of feasting, a day to celebrate. I look forward to that day with all that I have. Please pray with me. Maybe you're in the middle of the battle right now. Maybe it seems like you're outnumbered, outarmed. We'd love to help. We'd love to shoulder the burden with you. We'd love to fight with you. Let us know. We want to pray for you. We want to help you. If you're hungry, we can get you food. If you need shelter, we can find a warm place for you to sleep. If you're tormented by evil, we can pray and do battle in the spiritual realm on your behalf. Or maybe you know you're on the wrong side of God. Maybe you've used the good guy defense. I'm a good guy. But deep down inside, you know the anger that exists that simmers right below the surface or whatever other emotion it might be. Maybe today is the day where you cry out to Jesus and say, hey, I want to be on the right side. And for all of us, Looking forward to that day, to that time, when the great reverse happens.